All right, we're back. How you doing? Yeah. You okay? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. How are you? Very well, very well. I tell you what, we were going to have golf shoes on. <laughs> uh, those of you who don't know who golf shoes are, and pretty much everybody must know who plays at Greenock who golf shoes are, is Greg McDougall. He's taken over the mantle of skipper down at Greenock. And uh, Ross, Ross, Chris, tell us about why he got that nickname, Golf Shoes. Well, I don't actually know if he knows he's got this nickname, but I, <laughs> that's, that's the best thing. This could be a big unveiling for him. <laughs> in an under 12s game, I mean, 16, 16 years ago, right. it was the first, first time I think I'd ever played, it, played out at Greenock. Me, Gav Smith, sort of that sort of age group at West, rocked up to play, and this guy was playing in metal spiked golf shoes. For, an, for, a, for a cricket match. <laughs> Please tell me that they were white golf shoes. I my memory isn't, doesn't go back that far. I would like to hope so, but I have a vague memory of like white and brown maybe. But right. maybe that's just a, just a false memory. I mean, that's a, it's a fair call for a cricketer to turn up on a golf course with a pair of cricket spikes. But I have yeah. to say, I've never heard of anybody doing the, the other way round. No. No, no, although you do see some... Depending on what division you play in, I think if you play some Division 2 and Division 3 cricket, you see some interesting <laughs> choices of footwear. A lot of black trainers. <laughs> so, I tell you what, so Greg's coming on next week. I was hoping to have him on this week, um, but we've got the uh, Tom Fleet from Prestwick. He's the Prestwick skipper. We're going to get him on in a moment. Um, but I tell you what I've been doing. I have been binge-watching the test. Have you watched Oh, is it good? I've been, oh. I've been meaning to watch it, and then I felt I would wait till it got a bit closer to the season to turn it on when oh, it's you, particularly crickety. You have to watch it. It is yeah. absolute gold. It's, it's uh -huh. just so brilliant. In, I, Langer is apparently an absolute maniac. In that case. Yeah. And, and it takes, I, listen, I'm not going to do too many reveals, but after about three episodes... The team uh -huh. turn around and say, listen, you're just going to have to just chill out a little bit because everybody <laughs> was walking on eggshells because he's just, he, he is so black and white. Yeah. And that's what I love about the guy. I mean, I told you that story. I told you that story when we were down at the, the test match in, Man in uh -huh. uh, Leeds. And yeah. at the end of the day, he came out and he was like a gladiator walking down the steps. And he was just going up to everybody and just eyeballing them. I mean, he was just it's no fear. And yeah. all he did was eat this apple, and he just ate this apple, didn't talk to anybody, and just smiled manically at people. It's just complete Fruit Loop. Is this the? Is that the sort of leadership style you'd like to see at West? Is it a <laughs> harsh disciplinarian? That's it. <laughs> like it was back in my day. Yes. Uh -huh. <laughs> and yeah. it didn't really I've work. Seen I don't think there was much in the way of discipline around diet and exercise and stuff. You're right there. You're right there. Listen, let's get Tom on. I'm just going to unmute yep. him um, and then we'll get going. Okay. Tom, you there? How are you doing? Hey, uh, you're right. Yeah, not bad. Not bad at all. How's COVID going for you? First things. Oh, not too bad. I'm starting to get there now. Starting to. I've had a couple of couple of days where you you're sort of struggling to find anything to do, but um, I've almost just about watched everything on Netflix. So I'm getting <laughs> have you have you been uh, have you had to do a quiz? I mean, I think if you've been furloughed, then it's just obligatory now that you have to you have to do at least one quiz during the week. Oh, I've still yet to do one. Oh. I'm still yet to any of the Facebook ones or Twitter ones at all. 
uh, it seems to have taken off on this as well. The number of people who are doing them on, on <laughs> Zoom and stuff like that is, is crazy. But how, what's your work situation then, Tom? Uh, well, I'm furloughed just now for last okay. week. Had a week. I work as a letting agent, so we had a week um, where I was working from home, which wasn't too bad. Um, yeah. And then uh, once it was complete restrictions, and I couldn't really go out and um, do any viewings or anything like that, yeah. so it was pretty pointless for me to to still keep going. Yeah. And what are your thoughts about the coming season? Do you think we're going to get any play at all? What's your take on it? Um, well. The, the dates they kind of gave us was the, the 1st of June, which I thought, um, yeah, that, that's half the season that we, we could get in if we, if we did start them. But um, that was going by just having the, the three weeks off as it was. Um, at the moment, I don't, I don't see anything happening. I'd, I'd rather stay positive. But um, if anything, I think it will be arranged for friendlies and, um, and things like that between the clubs themselves. I think... Um, not sure what your thoughts are, but if if we were to get a season, I think it might be almost better if we were to do um, a twenty twenty competition. Um, one way of doing it, where you have you know three or four teams playing each other on the one day, yeah. um, it gets as many games in as possible, rather than um, just playing the the nine games that you would in the end of fifty over cricket. Yeah, Chris made the point last week that uh, he would be slightly uncomfortable in having a truncated season whereby you only had one round of games. Let's mm-hmm. still assume that we're going to get some rocky weather um, if we do get played. And, and Chris, I think, made the valid point that do you really want to be crowned champions if you've only played four games and maybe not have played you know, three of the best teams in the league? Well, exactly. I think um, my thoughts on it was that, you know, we... We could just say we we played as many games as we could, which is maybe five or six. But the the games that we didn't play were you know your Ferguslys and Yardingstons, um, and you ended up on top of the ladder. Would you would you really be happy about that, or um, is it really fair to to any of the other teams? Whereas if Fergusley and Yardingston end up playing each other, and that was the reason that you you came out on top, same as yourselves at West as well. So how would you really feel about that winning it? But Quite frankly, I wouldn't give two tinkers hoots. I'd be quite happy to take the silver. I, I, I think people's objections might change if they were the team that came out and top. I'd heard this idea since last week, the idea you had, Tom, around 2020 stuff. I think potentially that works as a way of doing it. Exactly, you can get lots of clubs in on, on one day, whether you do it in the way... There's one of the T20 Cups that's grouped by area, isn't it? You could almost yeah. do it that way. That, so like West, Pollock, Clydesdale... Do you know what I mean? Get together for a sort of Glasgow round of fixtures, Ferguson, Kelburn, and that sort of thing, and go from there. I'd also heard some stuff people saying that you might get some of the Scottish Cup stuff in, which <laughs> is also potentially a way of doing it. I guess you could get some of the 50 over cricket in that way. But, um, but yeah, still just, it feels so far away at the moment, I think. Well, that's it. It's, it's nowhere in sight, really, at the moment. But I think, as well, see if you don't, if you cut the season out completely, as you're saying, you could probably still get in all the, the 2020 comps and the, the Scottish Cup, um, especially with, you know, if we had nine free Saturdays to do it all yeah. in. So it is possible for some cricket, but the competitiveness of it all might might drift away. So my daughter was away in Spain and we, we got her back now um, and she's still in touch with her family over there. And clearly Spain have been badly, badly affected by the whole thing. But interestingly, she got an email yesterday 
which was uh, a post by the Spanish government, and they had already started to look at opening certain businesses, and they had mm -hmm. a timeline in place, which really meant that I think by the 19th of June, the place was back up and, and running, international travel, the whole thing. Um, yeah. And you're talking about opening smaller shops um, by the middle of May. So that's, I think, great news to see that, you know, there is a country out there that had, you know, really, really struggled and they've mm -hmm. already started to look at a time frame. So it may well be if they're doing that, then potentially we could still get some cricket by the end of the season. <laughs> Yeah, fingers crossed, I think, but it's a, yeah, I think it's like we were saying though last week, Johnny, it's a really difficult sport to get back to it as well, because you've got people squashed into quite a small changing room, you've got the ball being flung about, I mean, one thing I've thought about afterwards, would you be allowed a slip cordon under the current rules, or would you only be able, would it be slip and gully <laughs> spread out from the keeper? Uh, yeah, so fingers crossed we get somewhere, but yeah. So listen, Tom, let's have a chat about the season. Um, overall, a bit disappointed because you were right up there for so long and then just seems, did, did it fizzle away? Talk us through it. Um, I think it was the competitiveness and the, the keenness to, to win and the drive was all there um, throughout the season. I think the, the, the point that it hit us hard was um, having the, our final game, well, sorry, the second last game against Addingston rained off. Um, although we probably didn't score as many runs as we wanted, we we know that we're always in the game. Um, mm -hmm. We never tend to tend to stop. So um, it's one of those we thought, right, if the game, if we got to play the full game, we were every chance of of winning that. And going into the final round, you think um, if it's all on you to do, then you can treat it as a final. But when you, you're keeping an eye on another result. Um, you tend to tend to lose focus on what's in front of you, um, and I mean, if uh, no no um, excuses there either. Ferguson were were brilliant in that final game, um, and just completely outplayed us. But uh, and they're always a tough team, no matter what. But it was just one of those endings, unfortunately. And how much of the game did you get played against, Adi? We got well, we well, we got our innings on, um, so we batted first, and then we got I think about. 12 or 15 overs in um, and it was it was sitting okay it was about they were about one for 30 chasing 150 so you um sort of in the balance not maybe favoring them but not anything could happen in the next 35 overs so yeah um it was just one of those and then all of a sudden the, the heavens opened up and and there's just just no chance of um of us getting back on really because looking at the averages, uh, as I think we've all been pouring over in the close season, that you, your man, you add your McDonald and yourself, you know, there's, you're all three of you are in the top 10 of runs scored, 409, mm -hmm. 362 and 359. I mean, you must take some, some pride in the fact that you've got three of your guys in the top 10. I think um, that was a big part, to, a big positive for us this year. Um, our well, last season, I should say, our, our batting was um, was the strength of our um, of our season. I think over the last few years, the, the bowling's really come in, so it was good that we had that um, that the batting unit itself stepped up. Um, I think we kind of said at the start of the season that the the three of us and and such and as well, um, you know, we're senior players in the squad, and the onus is on us to 
to get the runs and to to build the platforms for the um, for the games and for the results. So it was nice that we could you know put that together and put that in action and and take the ownership on ourselves to to produce the results. So quite a positive for us anyway. Yeah, absolutely. I think across the season, thinking back on it, you guys certainly felt like you had the the ability, the, the, the most consistent ability to go and make scores above 200, basically, which I think I, we all spoke about last year as being such an important factor in, in Scottish cricket. As soon as you get above that mark, was there not some stat going around? It's like you, you, only, 12, you only get 12% of victories chasing more than 200 or something in Scotland. So I think being able to put that platform down is really, really important. Uh, and you, yeah, you guys certainly felt like the team that were best equipped to do that. I think um, that it's such a mental barrier, isn't it? Trying to get, um, trying to chase a score that's above two hundred. Yeah. I think um, if you're looking at, if you're chasing one ninety, you know you can, you've got every chance. But as soon as, as you're saying, as soon as it hits that two two hundred two hundred one mark, you kind of think, oh, yeah, we're going to have to seriously bat out our skins here. So mm-hmm. um, for us, we we had a good um, good formula for our batting. So we we're lucky enough that we had, you know, Fuzzle at the top who could score quickly and Fraser and um, it could bat through and, and build a platform. And then, you know, towards the end, the likes of himself and we had Sonny who would um, come in. Sonny would just whack sixes from ball one, which kind of helped. So it came off um, a lot of time. It would boost the scores from, you know, 150 looking at maybe getting 180 to, you know, 200 plus, which always helped at the, the lower end. So. And are you having, have you got batting plans in place? I'd be interested just to know about that. I mean, before you go out, are you looking to to the, the, the top two, for example, are, are they talking to one another and have they got actual plans that they're going to try and execute? I think what we normally do is we we do have some basic plans. It's nothing too, um, too out there, but it's, you know, the top two that you want to get your openers through the, the first 10, 15 overs. You want to get that change of bowler, um, which I think is just a general for, for old teams. But when mm-hmm. it comes to, um, comes to getting to drinks, we want to be, you know, no more than uh, two down, maybe three at, at max. Um, and that just allows you, you know, you, having that, you've got at least one to two set batsmen in that are going to um, carry on and, and where those crucial middle overs are, where, you, you know, you do score slower um, or the, the field spread. So the opportunities, it's, it's a bit harder for someone coming in to, to score runs quickly, but the two set batsmen, you know, you could go at fives and sixes, um, and that's kind of the plan. And then you've got a bit of hitting and um, a few boys like myself and Mitchell who, well, although he was opening towards the end, we, we run a lot. So, you know, picking up singles and manipulating the field as much as possible. Yeah. I mean, I, I was always a big fan that, you know, you have to make sure that it, one of your set batsmen tries to bat through. Uh, and I appreciate that it's, it's maybe harder for somebody to come in to hit their straps and start smashing it from ball one. But ultimately, what I always thought was that the onus is on them to actually go and do that, whereas the person who was set, what they needed to do was just knock it about to make sure that the new batsman got on and then the new batsman got free reign to have a whack. I think that's, um, in theory as well, that's kind of how you've always set it out and it's a good way of doing it. However, um, we've got players like Fuzzle, for instance, who... Um, You're not going to do that. 
No, he, he's going <laughs> to. If he's up, if he's still there in the fortieth over, he'll be on about two hundred and forty. No, it's handy to have. You just want to keep getting him on stroke. But the the idea that we the way we set it up is having that firepower spread out as well as having um, the ones that can manipulate the field and um, and pick up those you know those cheeky singles and and turns ones into twos and that um, throughout those middle middle areas. So it's, a, it's trying to find that balance, but it, I mean, on, in theory and on paper, it, it works, you know, 10 times out of 10, but when you're actually going out there, the plans don't always seem to go that way. So um, the biggest part is I think mentally, if you're staying in there as long as possible um, and you get it, you get it to the 40th, 45th over, then with a couple of wickets in hand, at least you've got that, um, that chance to, to get a quick 50, 40, 50 runs at the end there. That's exactly the point I was going to make. I mean, I have, I would be quite interested to see what the breakdown is in Scotland of like, but it feels to me sort of when you, I mean, just following the scores very often on Twitter, that the teams that get over 200 are more likely to be the ones that are 150 for three at mm-hmm. 40 than teams that are 170 for seven. I feel you quite often see those really quick collapses at the end. But when there is that platform, because you're only aiming to get to 200, really that's the marker that everybody's looking at in most games. You don't need to be much above 150 to get there in the last 10 yeah. because everybody does have a few people that can that can hit. That, and if you've got a set batsman at that point, or you've got a couple of people that can run, fives should be fives should be quite easy to get if you've got if you've got those wickets. I think as well when it, when you're doing plans and that, you um, it's easy to forget that we're we're all amateur cricketers at the end yeah. of the day. So you know it, it comes to a point where um, <clears throat> like your five, six, seven, eight bats um, can be the most crucial bats of your, your innings or the most crucial players there um, to build that score and to, to push it over 200. So as you're saying, if you're, if you can get to that 40th over and you're three down for 150 or 140, then um, there's every chance that for the last 10 overs, you're going to get six plus and over. Um, and then if you, and if you get it just about right, then hopefully you've got one set batsman that's cruising along through and a couple of hitters that come through and, Mm-hmm. Um, I think we found a lot of the a lot of our last ten over um, went for we scored about eighty ninety runs, occasionally hundred, which you know is figures that you'd think would happen in um, maybe a higher cricket. But uh, I guess if without thinking, as long as you're running and um, as much as possible, then you know the boundaries will come. The balls people are tired, bowlers are tired. They're gonna get frustrated that you're still getting these singles and twos. I think that if you can get that momentum, that's absolutely crucial, especially in the last 10. Um, mm. And if the ball's pinging here, there and everywhere, if you can get that crucial momentum and prevent yourself from losing wickets, then, yeah, I completely understand. Nine, 10 and over is, is certainly within your remit. There was always, if you talk to any of the old farts around the ground on a Saturday, one of the great things that they always used to say was, you, sh- you should be able to double up after 30 overs. Mm-hmm. So what your score is in 30 overs, generally speaking, if you've got wickets in hand, you should be yeah. able to double up as far as that's concerned. Absolutely. And that's where the, yeah, that's where often your, your five, six, seven and eight come into play. Um, and that's where your balance is to, um, if you have that right and you have players that are looking to score and um, or looking just to run, looking to rotate the strike, then there's every chance that you're going to get there. Um, and you know, and without doing, without really doing much, so it's it's funny you don't um, you can score quickly without 
um, hitting sixes. You tend you tend to find a lot of players will come in, have a whack, and they'll hit one, and then for the next five balls, so it will all be dots. Mm-hmm. So it's it was it was a bit of a problem that we had, I think, through part of the season, whereby we were losing wickets in clumps. Um, mm-hmm. And one of the things that we ended talking about was actually trying to bat in partnerships. Um, and by the end of the season, what we had was we had the, uh, a board inside the, the rooms and we had the 10 partnerships um, mm-hmm. and everybody knew what the best partnership was for the season. And there was always a, always a bit of a competition within a competition. Um, mm-hmm. And I thought that that was good because trying to sort of internalize that and, and focus in on not the whole game as such, but that particular partnership sometimes worked really well for us. Mm-hmm. That's definitely a good, good way of doing things. I think that's, um, yeah, if, you, if you're competitive within your, your squad, then you're going to be competitive out with it and, um, and you're going to bring that into your games. I think that's, yeah, that's something I might have to actually steal this season. Well, <laughs> oh, whoa, 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 wait a second, wait a second. <laughs> I think it's where, like, I think it's finding something that works into, because the point you made, Tom, that everybody, or in the main, everybody in playing is an amateur cricketer. An amateur sportsman, it's not surprising if people need like a, something to focus the mind and switch them on. If people have been slogging away at God knows what job for five days across the week, sometimes people do need to, like that external sort of stimulus to, to focus on the game or to focus on something. And I think it's just finding something that works for your squad and your group of guys. Absolutely. I think as well, like, I mean, when, when I was growing up playing, it was, you know, the, you got the hard style drilled into you, the, the classic. Aussie um, way of coaching, so it was a bit, bit different to how it is now, where you know, you're taking a lot of feelings and and whatnot into consideration and <laughs> people's general well-being. But now uh, it's finding what works for for each player and, as well. Carrot and stick, carrot and stick. Yeah. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> sometimes a bit more stick than carrot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is. I won't say too much about. Who's who in the in the squad? But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's definitely finding the balance between um, you know how you how you motivate each player as well. It yeah. does sound a bit. It, it almost sounds a bit much for amateur cricketers. We're saying, but you, that's the kind of the level that it's at. And I think it's a very strong competition that we are in. So you you, you know any chance to to get an advantage over your opposition, you know you need to take and and that's off the, often off the field or at training. There's a huge part of being a skipper is doing that motivational side of things. From your perspective, do you think that that takes away from your game or does that add to your, your game? Uh, it depends what, what way you, you're looking to motivate. I think um, I like to motivate through my own actions um, if mm-hmm. I can. I mean, as anyone would probably like to do, um, but doesn't mean you're going to be doing that every week. So, I think it's um, you know leading from the front's often, uh, you know, what you're putting what you say into practice as well, and making sure that you're just um, that you know you're not saying that you're above anything, that you're willing to to do everything. Um, I think it's helped my game, if anything, going forward. Um, trying to motivate because you, in turn, you're actually motivating yourself to be better and to to get everybody going. So. It's probably... And from your point of view, having 11 guys all rowing in the same direction, absolutely, absolutely crucial. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I've played in, in a number of sides where 
not the individuals within the side were were sort of not rowing in the right direction, but they weren't rowing in the same time, if I can put it that way. Um, yeah. And they were maybe a little bit more of an outlier. When I was a skipper, that was one of the hardest things that you had to do is to allow somebody who maybe, if you had, listen, we're going to do this, this and this, and the person maybe wasn't prepared to do that, trying to explain it to the other 10 guys that you know, this guy's not that he's a special case. And, and that's the hardest thing because yeah. what you don't want to do is especially what generally happens is the special cases are the ones that you've got to, you know, piss in their pocket and, and, uh, yeah. you know, um, pull them, pull them up. Um, but maybe at the detriment to, to the other 10 guys in the, in the team. Absolutely. I don't, and the thing is when you're pulling them up, there's not so much that you want to, you try and hide it as much as possible, I guess. Um, it, I'd like to say that, um, you know, we ne you never have that problem in at PCC, but I think you do. No matter what, no matter what club you're at, yeah, you're gonna have it. There's gonna be one or two players that you. Of gonna... course, there is. We're all there's eleven guys, yeah. and there's no way that everybody's rowing in the same direction. And the other thing, the fantastic thing about cricket is that whilst it is a team sport, right, you can still think you've had a fantastic game, scored a hundred or taken five wickets, but you've been absolutely turned over. I mean, there is that thing about a personal game within a team game. And that's, that, it makes it very, very difficult, very, very difficult to captain a side. Absolutely. I think the good thing for us, we are, it, what has helped and for me anyway was, you know, everyone in the squad's mates and we've been together as a group for quite a long time. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, it does, there's that mutual respect that, um, you know, we've all proven each other, proven ourselves in front of each other. Um, on the field, which is, which helps. So, um, you know, we've all been there through the, the ups and downs as well for each other for, um, well, I guess for ability and performance wise. So that, that does help massively and we all enjoy a pint, which is helps as well. I was Everyone's just thinking you guys have quite often got, this might be, might be wrong, but you've saying you've had that sort of longer term stability of being together as a group. But like have like short term stability of like week on week have basically the same same ten ten or eleven guys out every week and I feel again that makes such a big difference that the teams that do well in Scotland tend to be the ones who can get basically the same team out every single week. Absolutely, I think you know as a when you're picking the teams when you find out that one just one player that you've got for your your ideal eleven or twelve is out, you kind of start panicking in that situation yeah. because you're thinking. Everything, every player that we've got, because we've we've got such a small squad, um, every player is crucial in, in a certain role. So when you lose that, um, you got to consider who you're bringing up, um, you know what position they're going to fill, and then what what detriment you're leaving to the seconds and if um, and everything that goes with it. So I'd I'd rather have the squad that we've got now, knowing that. Um, what we are and what we've achieved and the abilities of each one and how we work together rather than having a, a squad of 50, although it would make some headaches a bit easier. You mentioned the second team there and I just wanted to touch on numbers wise and, and how you bring your kids through. Um, you've obviously got two clubs there in Ayrshire, three if you're, you're, you're Irvine as well. And it must be very difficult clearly to attract people in. So, 
talk to us about what you're doing in order to try and encourage as many kids as possible to take up the game? Um, over the last few years, I mean, since well, forgetting when, when I came over as an amateur originally, um, we were going through the schools uh, for doing five-week blocks um, where we obviously just to coach in as many kids as possible, as many of the, the age groups, and obviously just trying to attract them back to the club. Um, we'd then have a, a big competition between all the schools um, for a day or two um, at our ground, and that would show them the facilities and and then also make it easier to try and get um, kids and that to sign up. But it's always it's quite a tough thing to do um, over here when you've got football for nine months of the year. Yeah. So I think as well, we, we tend to have Easter blocks where we, we're coaching on the ground, um, which normally the amateurs will, will do, which as well um, tends to be kids that you've, you've poached from the schools or kids that are already playing for the club. And what um, kind of numbers have you got at the moment with regards to the junior setup? The juniors, um, at the moment, it's, we've got, I think we're putting in a 11s or 13. 11s and 13s team this year and also 15s but i'm not too sure about i don't think we have anything else after that yeah there's a, a lot of the the older boys that would be around that um 18s age group they're starting to play well they're playing more senior cricket and, and are mm-hmm. probably crucial members of our senior team for the seconds now and are so, you trying to get the kids into the senior setup as quickly as possible uh we don't really have a choice in that at the moment um which is good. I'd like to get as many of them um, into that setup as as quickly as possible. I think it's always good for for the youngsters, but at the same time, you can really knock confidence out out of them if they're not playing this junior cricket as well. Mm. Um, you know, you can have two different. You could be playing. I remember you could be playing a 15s team that's far better than the seconds team that you you're playing, but you know, you're playing against boys and men. It's yeah, it's a bit harder. To, to perform against the, the older blokes for some. So you, you've got to be careful there. But I think at the moment, we don't really have that choice. So we're just trying to get do whatever we can to get these kids in. Okay. So listen, let's assume that we get some cricket in. Who are you looking this season to, uh, to make strides in their game? Any young kids that uh, you want to put a shout out to say, listen, you know what, I think it's your time. We're really looking for you to, to show something this season. Well, we've we've had uh, there's a couple of youngsters that we've had for a while now. So Ewan, he's played a fair bit of first team cricket. Yeah. You know, Bethany he was just over with the Scotland under 19s. Mm-hmm. Um, we've spoken to him a fair bit recently, and he knows that we're looking at him in the first this year. As what a, does he do? He's a opening well, opening a first change bowler pacer. So, um, he's just looking to work on his consistency and. Hopefully we can get as many overs in as possible for him this year. Okay. Um, he's picked up a lot of speed, which is good, and mm-hmm. he's—I mean—he's not the sharpest tool in the shed most of the days, but he's, <laughs> I think the—he's been taken under a few wings at cricket that's Scotland. Just, that's just that's too isn't it? Just going, you just, yeah. just tried in. <laughs> oh, there's a quite a few of them, isn't there? That's, that's why I'm cool. out to be a bowler. <laughs> Yeah, we've got, else? we've got uh, Fletcher Rouse, so Mitchell's younger brother. Uh, yeah. He's he was uh, the leading wicket taker for the seconds last year in the in the competition, I believe. So he's he's come a long way, and he's he's just developing year in year out. Um, he is a good young 
young player and he's a he's probably a good kid to have in the changing rooms. Um so he he's got a, every opportunity as I think as I think we were a bit maybe a spinner or two short last season. I think spin tends to win your games more more often than not. Um so we'd definitely be looking down that track. And then a young Callan Turner, he's he's a bit of an all rounder, but um he's he's more of a bowler, I think, bowling all rounder. He's he's come a long way and he's a well, he's a integral part to the twos. So um, we're hoping that maybe he can get a game or two in the ones um, good. this season as well. And he, good, 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 good. he enjoys a drink too, so that's that's handy. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the key point for transitioning though, isn't it? That's the real difficulty of bringing a 15-year-old in is where do you put them oh, after game? <laughs> I know, that's a, that's a problem. <laughs> you know, after, after the game, it's, you know, are their parents going to be there the whole time or, you know, they're going to give them a <laughs> hour or they're going to get picked up? Any stories, Chris, that you can tell us about your transition from a 15-year-old youngster <laughs> that are broadcastable? <laughs> well, that's what I'm trying to work out. What ones are broadcastable? I'll tell well, you one about Craig Wright. So we won, I think we either won the league or we won the Scottish Cup. I think it was the league, right? And Craig Wright must have been, what, 16, 17, uh -huh. maybe half a dozen games in the first team right and the story goes that there was a carpet that uh, we used to roll up to uh, that covered the dance floor and of course at the end of the season we're having this disco and and suddenly righty gets rolled up inside the carpet <laughs> absolutely out of his face <laughs> yeah and yeah, no, I think, I mean, I distinctly remember getting a lift into town in somebody's, the boot of somebody's car when I was 16, 17. Right. There was about eight or nine of us parked into this Mercedes. Uh, yeah, just lots of stuff. And obviously no illicit behaviour in the West of Scotland bar, though. I didn't no, have my when I was 18. Definitely. <laughs> so listen, let's just wrap it up here. Just got a couple of questions. I'm just going to put it out there. Um, Tom, Best ground in the in the union, in your opinion, other than Henry Thau Oval. Uh well, other than the Henry Thau, I'd say um, I think Dumfries has probably always been a, a good ground to, to play at. And um, I mean, I hate to say it, but we 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 love playing at Air as well. That's always a great. Ground I was going to say, what you just hate them? That there's just no. They they're great blokes, to be honest. Um, a lot of good blokes in there, and we we tend to obviously see them out on. on and nice, but it is a great ground, a great facility to play at, so and a good rivalry. Yeah, I mean, it's I remember when they beat us in the Scottish Cup final, and they weren't bothered about being the best team in Scotland, they were just more concerned about being the best team in Ayrshire. Yeah, <laughs> there is that. I think that's we were kind of the same for the last few years, so right. well, you're well ahead of them at the moment, so yeah, that, that kind of helps the different divisions. I think it was a bit, um. We might have been a, a bit sore in winning when when we won the the title, and they unfortunately had to get relegated. But <laughs> so next question: you you rock up at the ground, okay, and uh, you get introduced to the uh, the two umpires. Talk to me about the one that you want to be seeing and the one that you don't want to be seeing. I think um, you're always kind of happy when Sean Ells is about. He he tends to enjoy. Um, he's a great umpire, but. Intends to enjoy a drink on off the field as well. Right. Um, I'd also say Gav Gemmel in there. He, he's an interesting one, but um, he's more. He's a part of Ayrshire folklore, I think, these days. Okay. So Gav Gemmel 
um, fantastic. I mean, he did the union back in the day when I was playing. Uh, started off in the early 90s. Gav Gemmel, fantastic umpire. And uh, tell you a story. So they have the flute bands that go up and down Dumbarton Road, right? <laughs> um, Fourth of July or something like that anyway. So you're watching so Gavin. That's a very different celebration. Oh, is it? Sorry. Well, it's 12th of July, whatever. I just, who, what? Um, and, and there you see Gav Gemmel at Square Leg tapping his toe in beat. <laughs> <laughs> some man, some man. Oh, he's brilliant. He's, um, How old is he now? Oh, to be honest, um, I think he's, he's got to be 70s or 80s. He'll still be better than some of the clowns out there. <laughs> I know, and he still doesn't take any nonsense, which is great. No, that's I brilliant. Just, yeah. That's brilliant. Uh, right, best scoreboard. Oh, I've not really put too much thought into that one. Oh, is uh, that something you consider, Johnny? Oh, definitely. Like, oh, I can't wait to go to such and such because they've got a lot of score. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's you. obviously a crucial part. <laughs> No, I'm used to playing in grounds where they write the numbers up on a bit of paper. Well, so. <laughs> or the old flick over ones that you yeah. get. I always thought Clydesdale was a was good. Yeah, yeah. Clydesdale was the one, and I think uh, well, Dumfries is a nice one too. And uh, but I'd say yeah, three of those. And then yeah. it's all electronic. Everything's electronic now. I remember oh. back in the day, in, in in the early '80s, when I played. Well, the late 80s, when I played a season or two up at Aberdeen and, and they had the electronic scoreboard and it just looks so, so strange. But nowadays, that's, everybody's got the electronic scoreboard. You're at risk of sounding like that. See that Simpsons meme where it's like old man shakes fist at clouds, Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you're talking to somebody who spent many a season up in the old score box at West with the old wheels, having yeah. to put the wheels. Fantastic. Yeah, I did that when I was a young man, as, or a young boy as well. An interesting place. And then best tees, let's wrap it up. Best tees. Outside of the PCC. Oh, they're, they're fantastic. Here's a story oh. about Henry Thau, God rest his soul. Henry Thau, I think uh, he spent some time in um, a Japanese prisoner of war camps. And you never used to say to Henry that you were hungry. He would go absolutely mental at you because he'd obviously gone through everything that he'd gone through. Just n never tell. That was the, I said it once and he tore yeah. absolute strips off. <laughs> um, anyway, just, so Tom, where? I would say, uh, i tell you what, Kelburn always had decent teas up there. They had nice hot teas. Yeah. Um, and oh, Dumfries. Dumfries aren't too bad too. So. Good stuff. Chris, you? Um, again, God, I, I, can't, the only, I think the only decent tea I had well, last year was prepared by us, but I played six games of cricket last year, so I really can't. I'm not well placed to comment on this, but Pollock will forever be at the bottom. So. <laughs> you can't <laughs> yeah, say that. Agreed. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> I'm making up my own rules. I, 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 couldn't <laughs> I couldn't get to the mute button quick enough there. <laughs> <laughs> right, listen, Tom, thanks very much. Um, we're going to hopefully see you at some point during the season. Um, and let's hope we get some cricket played, uh, whether it's T20, whether it's Scottish Cup or, or a truncated union. Um, it's been a pleasure. Thanks very much.
No worries. Cheers for having us. Good. Good. Cheers, buddy. Cheers, guys. Right. How'd you get on with that, eh? Good. Doing that quite, quite well. You know what? Yeah. Next week, I think we could do, because I, I could see you almost when Tom was talking and you wanted to butt and you wanted to butt and I could see your voice, your, your, your lips going, uh, uh. I think what we need to do is we need to put our hands up. I think yeah. that, that would work. Yeah, when well, we do that, we'll make it professional meeting, will we? I think, I think that's what we do. Obviously not between you and me. But no, we'll, no, we'll, we'll just shout and have over each other. So we've got golf shoes on next week. Excellent. I, I want you to have watched all eight episodes of the test. <laughs> I do still have. I've not. I do still have to like work. Well, yeah, work it, from home. Yeah, but it's fifty-five minutes, and I tell you what, you cannot just watch one. It's one of these things. It's like a good book. You just you can't put oh, it down. You keep going. Oh, it's well, I'll, give, I'll hopefully I'll have given it a go. Best. Currently plowing my way through some. Average spy programs on the oh, BBC. Yeah. What about the Anything Edge? Have you, have you watched the Edge? No. Is this another cricket one? Yeah, the Edge is all about the England cricket team, and I think it was the one with Vaughan. So would that have been the one that won the Ashes after all those years? I think it is. Yeah, it's a documentary. Yeah, Vaughan was in charge in two thousand five. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty then. sure the Edge is about that. But it's it's a pretty. I haven't seen that, but that's the next one I'm going to binge watch. Nice, nice. What's on the cards other than that for this week? Um, probably another quiz. Another quiz. Um, I've got ready? my videos going. I've got my videos going. So we've got a Facebook page for the work, Bricks and Mortar. Um, uh-huh. And uh, so I've started to do videos for that. And I use something called Canva. It's absolutely fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's so good. I've, I've, I've been squirreled away doing videos. Nice, nice. I've got Just lights and I've got it's very professional. I've got lights and all sorts. You take this stuff very seriously, don't very you? Very seriously. Does that all come out of the I'm I'm interested to see what budget <laughs> light all of these all of these come out of? No, 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 no. All tax deductible, my good friend. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where we will leave it. Yes, that is where we will leave it. Are we going to apologise for erroneous... Oh, yes, 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 yes. So what was that? You, you, were, you were obviously um, better big pals with, so, with Paddy. In, in one sense, we should be quite pleased. It means that somebody listened to at least half the, half the show last week. I thought it was um, quite a good show. I was, listening, I was doing the shopping and I was listening uh-huh. to it again. I thought it was quite good. Yeah, anyway, yeah, what did Paddy were. say? So apparently, apparently, the transfer, Richie has not moved to Greenwich, so we must retract that statement at he's definitely point. not going he's not gone yet <laughs> <laughs> whether he goes in the future i don't know well that's true know. that's true right so he's not gone yet no absolutely not okay <laughs> and is that is that all we need to say is that retraction done and dusted? Yes, apologies to all concerned if yeah. we caused any distress or hardship then we are very very sorry about that but you that's... know what we're sometimes right Sometimes wrong. But we're always certain. Brilliant. Loving it. Right. Catch you next week. Catch you next week, Johnny. Have a good one, mate.